Adam Levecki here. I'm excited to be with you today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your download. Thanks for your time. I'm with a friend, uh, Steve S. Palmer. Steve used to be uh, the pastor on staff at Life Center Church in Harrisburg. And I met him there and we became friends and he's been a voice of encouragement and wisdom in my life. And so I want to share Steve with you. And uh, Steve is just a, a gracious man who loves Jesus out of a pure heart. And uh, he left a pretty rocking church uh, yeah, sure <laughs> to be a missionary. So people who live sacrificially and do things that seem strange are always very intriguing <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I want to share this intrigue with you. Steve is a, is a great man. Godly man, and uh, I know that you'll apparently strange man too. But that's okay. <laughs> strange, that's right. You're gonna you're gonna get some stuff from Steve today, and um, I'm excited to be with you. So, Steve, kind of tell us your journey in that transition from being a pastor on a really rocking church. Things are going well, yeah, and, and um, then you made that transition. Well, I always joke that Life Centers, besides Disney World, Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. So, um, but I had. Always had a, 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 a desire for missions since I was saved during the Jesus movement. And um, over the years on staff, um, once I became, especially became prayer pastor at Life Center, you know, we're praying 24-7, and I was leading many prayer meetings, and a lot of times you kind of become an answer to your own prayers. Hmm. And then I, I guess um, because Life Center hosts so many amazing conferences, uh, especially back then it was um, with Randy and the Global um, something conferences. Global Awakening, yeah. I, I said, if I have to hear Heidi Baker one more time and go up to that altar and cry one more time as Heidi's talking about <laughs> missions, and then I don't do anything, I can't handle it anymore. So sure enough, she was preaching. I went up front. I'm crying my head off. <laughs> and I said, that's it. No more. I'm just going to I'm just going to go for it. And I, I was overwhelmed by the Spirit. And it turns out the guy, the guy behind me was, I had no idea who was behind me, is a dear, a dear friend, a very uh, great visionary. And he is now the leader of, uh, the president of our board. And then um, I shared this with my wife, but God, of course, was already speaking to her. That's how it always works. Mm. And um, so we decided to, to make the leap of faith. We had no idea where we were going. We had no idea what we were going to do. We just knew that we needed to do it. Wow. And um, so we took the leap, and Charles, a uh, uh, pastor of our church, a dear, dear friend of mine, was probably the only person outside my wife who really understood, you know, what God was doing with us. And he really encouraged me um, that we didn't need a five-year plan or a ten-year plan. We just needed to know what Jesus was telling us. And so that's how we started wow. uh, about 10 years ago. And, uh, yeah. So you mentioned uh, your ministry. What is the name of your ministry? It's, it's Connect the World. Cool. And the whole idea is that we connect people with God, people with people, and people with resources. Uh, one of our greatest desires was to try to go, not, not necessarily long-term, but try to go places where people were doing great things, but there was no help or they were unknown. There's a lot of missionaries that are that are well known, and they deserve all the support they get for sure. But then there's a lot of people doing things in the world that nobody even knows about. And so we wanted to like, and I would get exposed to these people being on on staff at Life Center. I would meet these amazing people and hear their stories. And I'm like, every time I'd hear it, I want to go do something, but I couldn't because I had a responsibility. Sure. So that's what we do, and um, 
So we not only go ourselves and do stuff, but we, we recruit people to go on uh, to special uh, locations, and we also raise money for other people's projects. Cool. And that's exciting. Where can we find out more about your ministry? Um, uh, our website, connecttheworld.com. Cool. Uh, but it's connect-the-world.com. Got it. And uh, by next week, there'll be something else on her besides one page. Cool. <laughs> Visit Steve's website at connect. Dash, dash the dash world dash dot com world connect the world dot com cool that's exciting so this was uh, really a leap of faith similar Good to leap. Abraham we know we can't stay here but we don't really know where we're going that's pretty I never thought of that believe it or not but yeah, yeah we didn't know where we we're going and step one in faith can't stay where we are <laughs> so that's uh, that's that's cool so you you venture out in what seems to be sacrificial and exciting. And um, so now, where has that journey taken you? Well, What's your uh, vision? What are you guys up to? We, we uh, had dropped off. Um, our youngest daughter went to a mission school in Cyprus. We dropped her off, and we thought we'd stop and see some uh, missionary friends of ours in Austria. We had no, you know, we had no concept of what was going on in Europe. We were just thinking other countries. Um, and um, we, we dropped our daughter off. We went to Austria. We thought, well... We'll visit our friends, prayer walk a couple weeks, and see maybe we'll, we'll be headquartered here because that put us closer to Africa, closer to India, whatever. And um, when we were there, there was just this wonderful move of the Holy Spirit on, on the youth of this church. It was a, a truly a, a move of God. And it, it just got packed out with young people getting saved and healed, and a lot of kids came back to the Lord that were backslidden. And then um, what... It just turned into a, a three-year venture, and then a door opened up in another part of Austria where we, um, a door opened up in, in a bar ministry where we ended up uh, ministering to uh, death metal kids and hardcore bar kids, and eight years later, nine years later, we're like, wow, this has been amazing. So a big, a big part of our ministry was uh, in bars uh, late at night ministering to kids. We saw a lot of some people saved in bars, healed in bars, delivered from demons in bars, mm. you name it. It happened in the bars. We had a bar church that would meet occasionally that was filled with non-believers, and hopefully many became believers that, yeah. as a result. And at the same time, we were still like doing projects in different places like India and uh, Indonesia and things like that. That's awesome. So we've heard about your recent future, your 10-year, uh, rather not your future, your your past kind of coming from Life Center, also what God's been doing recently. Now, the reason I say that is because I want to jump back into... I feel like, into, I feel like I'm being set up. You're being stuff. set up. You're, <laughs> you're about to be dated. <laughs> uh, so, but you have roots in the Jesus movement. <laughs> you, you know, the problem is young guys like you are just <laughs> jealous that somebody can we be are. perpetually 39 years old. <laughs> you just can't handle it. But yes, I'm 39 years old, but I did get saved... In January of 1971, when the Jesus movement hit South Jersey, it was a, f- a phenomenal time. Where, without without evangelistically speaking, but honestly speaking, we just saw thousands of people come to the Lord over a short uh, period of time, and I was part of that. And I I, it, I lived in it. I felt the atmosphere that no matter where you went, it was amazing, Adam. No matter where you went, you could almost say boo. And you'd be talking to someone about Christ, or someone would get saved, or someone would get healed. We used to hitchhike 
just to get picked up so we could witness the people. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Crazy. But but everybody was doing yeah. it then. And then and then um, even after um, I, I I went to Bible college and and um, uh, went into to full time ministry. It was the, the Jesus movement. We didn't know it was the Jesus movement at the time. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, uh, or, or when it started, when it ended. But, but even in the late 70s, early 80s, when we were in campus ministry in New Jersey, God's favorite state, by the That's way. That's right. Haven't had the revelation yet. <laughs> uh, but we were uh, chaplains at Montclair State College. And uh, these kids were getting saved all the time. It was just, it was an amazing time. And I kind of remember when it kind of ended. It was like all of a sudden things got slow and hard and, it just seemed everything was was difficult after that. Mm-hmm. About the mid mid to late eighties, I don't know what happened. I think it's kind of oh. the the thing sort of ended, and I, I kind of I've checked with people. It seemed like it was happening all over. Interesting. So, so that's so you have a lot of history in what yeah. we call now revival, but yeah. what really? And I is... mean, I, I met I sat under Catherine Coleman. I I met her once. I mean, this yeah. is like the highlight of all this. You know, amaz- amazing stuff that was going on at the mm-hmm. time. Lauren Cunningham, YWAM, they were always at our home church. And uh, so we were exposed to some of the most, Joy Dawson, Lauren, all these great, great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, our wonderful pastor um, at the time, now he's in heaven, uh, Harry Snook. And we were just brought up on a steady diet of miracles, missions, believing God, trusting God, and it grounded us in the Word. I mean, we were trained in the Word. We were discipled we were mentored and uh it's amazing so many of the the young people i got saved with are ministry all over the world today that's awesome yeah so that's really fruit that remains a lot of it so so you know what's interesting is that history doesn't really remember the critics um but history does remember the people that gave themselves to what god is doing yeah and um absolutely there's longevity in that so that's that's really encouraging so from all of that, from, in a sense, the environment almost feeling electric and you're pretty much just talking about Jesus and people immediately wanting him and just, like, what did you take away from that period of time that stood with you through the tests of time, through the trials of life, through the pressures of ministry, through the challenges of marriage, through, through the money issues that could come with ministry, through all of those things, what did you take away from that time in your life? where you experienced what we would call an outpouring of the Holy Spirit or people, some call it, would call it revival. Uh, it's known as, historically, as the Jesus movement. Yeah. So that's, so, that's a no, pretty no, you're positive enjoying, thing. You're enjoying calling me a part of history. I know. <laughs> that's okay. You're making history now. Amen. And then when I'm older, I'll, I'll be laughing at you saying, hey, Adam, you're, you're historical now. Yeah. I just hope, I want hey, you to be around when I'm old. I, I will be. <laughs> Hey, you were in the earthquake in Haiti. Yeah, I'm you're, still here. And you're still here? That's, still that's here. history. Actually, that is very historical because um, Haiti was really uh, very hard to reach up until then. People would get in, and they were hard, and it wasn't safe. It was hard to get people in and out. And having to, after that happened, like all heaven broke loose, as you know better than most people. Yeah. You've been there so much. Yeah. So that truly was, as far as... Uh, missions perspective that was a historical event sure also too one of the largest tragedies of our life you're talking about yeah. 238 230,000 people dead in 30 seconds you know wow so that's uh yeah and that's kind of a conservative number there, there there's a good chance it could be more 
some people could say upward to 300,000. But and you're talking about 30 seconds gone. That's amazing. So the nation yeah. was shaken in and so anyway, but forget about that. Let's talk about you. <laughs> Let's talk about what did you take away from this whole Jesus? Well, movement? you know, that's a loaded question because when you you brought up going through life and hardships and marriage and all, you know, the on a personal level, just how near and dear Jesus is and how faithful he is. I, I, I mean, he is so full of love and so real. So, I mean, uh, 40, 40 something years later, I can say, just like some of those old hymns we used to, we used to sing hmm. <laughs> about his faithfulness and his love. Yeah. Um, and um, I have to say this too, you know, I'm still, still close with some of my spiritual mentors that are still alive, like Jesse and Kay Owens, who is well known to many people, and he worked with Don Wilkerson for years, planning teen challenges around the world, still active in, in his late 80s. Wow. He makes you and I look like lazy bums. He runs circles around us still. Wow. Still. But I look at God's faithfulness. I'd say that that's on a personal level. like, whew. But on, on another level, I think one of the greatest things that I experienced during the Jesus Movement and practice myself my my first many years in ministry was just the whole the whole um the whole thing of discipleship and mentoring you know jesus said you know make disciples and um so i i walked away with a, a great understanding of what it meant to be mentored spiritual parenting um being discipled and also to be in a community in community where, where people really loved each other, but also where we were challenged, you know, where we were, we were challenged to deal with stuff we didn't like or grow personally or, you know. So yeah. I'd say I walked away with yeah, I think the that most that's, influential. Yeah. That's good for today because we live in a generation that um, are wanderers, you know, conference to conference. But in the midst of the struggles of that, what I'm seeing is actually a greater hunger and thirst for authentic community. And you Absolutely. touched on it. You know, you said um, where you're challenged. And, and I think that to, to define community with two words would be comfort and challenge. Where when you're struggling, you know, and, and when you're hurting, there's people comforting you, you know. And and when you're... If you need a kick in the butt, there's people... If you need a kick in the rear end, you know, <laughs> you're being challenged. Yeah. And I, I think that that is the key to moving forward together is that we can look at someone and see you know hey this person doesn't really need to be challenged right now they really need to be comforted or comforting may not work with this person they may be too comfortable and they may need to be challenged and i think discerning by the spirit what people need is essential to 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 the community that jesus is building absolutely it's about relationships you know we always forget like i think as, as Westerners, the Western church, we're, unfortunately, you know, we become all about meetings, and because our culture is so performance-oriented, that's affected us as, as believers as well. So everything's super polished, super professional. We have all our, all our heroes, our athletes, our movie stars, and um, we really forgot something important, that, that God's a family man and that he's relational. And when you think about it, God loved the world so much, he, did, he, he, he came, and just from the very beginning, I mean, he didn't start, you know, at a castle, he didn't start at the Hilton, you know, he, he started 
you know, as a baby in the manger, which is just mind-boggling to think. But God's whole plan to save people was relational. Jesus spent three and a half years. Yes, he had big meetings, obviously. But three and a half years, he poured his life into 12 people and then a number of other disciples as well. But it was all relational. So God's whole thing is like relationships, community, and it's, it's imparted through relationships it's transferred through relationships, and that's, that's really God's plan. He said, go and make disciples. And what concerns me is we have a lot of big meetings, and, and I love meetings, and they're great, they're inspiring and all, but Jesus said to make disciples, and that just doesn't happen in a big meeting. No, it doesn't. And I also don't think making disciples happens outside of the context of moving the gospel forward. Well, of course. So, yeah, yeah. so it's like Jesus made disciples not in the context of just church and not in the context of just eating together. Although that's very important. Those are both gathering and That's and, really important. You know, without yeah. eating you're going to die, right? So, but it's right. it's essential, yeah. right? But the greater context is he was announcing the kingdom of God is at hand and it's here. And then he was demonstrating what the Father was like. So it was a message, a movement, a ministry, and it was fueled by his relationship with the Father, and it was uh, it was continued by his relationship with his guys, and, exactly. and it, it, it's very it's very interesting. You know, even after his resurrection, he's walking seven point five miles with two no name people to you know from Emmaus to Jerusalem, yeah. and so here is the risen Son of God. With a name that is highly exalted above every other name, uh, someone everyone will bow down to, you know, at the end of human history. Oh, yeah. And he's walking with two no-name guys. So what's that tell you about Jesus? He's really humble. <laughs> it also tells you that his, it, he, it tells you who he thinks is important. You know, it, we are all important to him. Yeah. But we've again, we've got the superstar mentality, which yeah. actually causes a lot of people to not do anything because they don't feel they're good enough or talented enough. And it's not about that at all. The kingdom of God's not about that at all. Okay. What did Paul say? He said, What's what, look among you, not many of you were great or rich or, you know. He strong, the, yeah. He took the, yeah. the weak. And, you know, I mean, that's who God, I mean, he loves the great and he loves the small. But if you're small, like most of us are, yeah. we don't realize how much he, he values us, how much he loves us, and that we're actually... Um, we're actually the foundation for what he's doing. You know, I had this, um, I I guess it was a vision. Uh, It's grown over the years, actually. Uh, One one Sunday morning, uh, I was driving to church. Uh, I'll never forget, I was crossing over the the bridge over the uh, Susquehanna River into Harrisburg. Harrisburg, And and it's just a few years ago. And all of a sudden, I began remembering what life was like when I first got saved at, at our home church in, in Vineland, New Jersey. And I started looking around in, in my mind at people in church, and I saw, and everybody was brother and sister then, which is great because if you forget people's names like I do, hey, brother, how you doing? It was great, you know. <laughs> but I was looking around at people whose names I never learned, and they weren't leaders. They were, like, I, remember, I, I was looking, there's this one couple, they were there, another another couple, and they never got up and taught. They never said much, but they they stayed married. They raised their kids to love God. They they gave and they prayed for us. And 
I saw another couple and another person, another person, this old, lovely Italian couple, brother, Tara, brother and sister Terranova. And every Wednesday night, he'd get up in his broken English, I want to thank you, Jesus. And then he'd go <laughs> off in Italian, and that was the end of the testimony that we could understand. But, 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 I, but the Lord showed me, if it, they brought stability, they were the anchors. If it wasn't for them, all the other stuff wouldn't have happened. There, was no, there would have been no foundation, but they're the unsung heroes. And it's just like what Paul says in Corinthians, you know, if everybody was an eye, if everybody was an ear. You know, what about people who are guts? Yeah. I, I'd go take that further, but I don't want to offend people, but I think <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, what about people, who the, like he calls the unseemly members? We, we're all just as important. Yeah. You know, that um, handsome, there is a handsome face under all that hair. I know there is, or your wife wouldn't have married you. But if, 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 yeah. with, without, without your guts, without your muscles, without your blood vessels, that, that handsome face would, wouldn't be doing us much good. Sure. And, but we, we, don't, we lose sight of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, we need each other. I, I think when... Desperately. When you're poor in spirit, you realize several things. First, you realize, I really need God. I really need Jesus. I, I really need the Holy Spirit. Without him everything everything falls apart yeah um and and then you realize you need one another you need people yeah you need people who encourage you and you also need people who rub you the wrong way when you're poor in spirit you realize you know um without jesus i can do nothing but then you also realize through him i can do all things because he's strengthening me so you realize this dependency, and first it feels really disempowering because you you know you're aware of how weak you are, but then as you become more acquainted with Him, you become more confident in His strength, and then that changes how you relate to reality through Him because He's strengthening right, you. And right. so, being poor in spirit, I think, is is something that uh, we all need to grow in. Something we all need to understand, and it, it's it's challenging because we live in a culture that wants to be independent strong self-made and that's just the complete opposite of how the kingdom of god works so to learn what to to learn what you just said that has to be modeled to us yeah you know when you're when we walked in the church we didn't know anything (laughs) sure you know we had we brought with us our old values and we had to learn what the kingdom of god was about sure you know yeah so in terms of discipleship and and all that what what is in your heart now, knowing what you've known, lived through what you've lived through, um, seeing people come and go in ministry, you know, seeing time test people, just knowing the Word of God, knowing the person of Jesus, you know, what what what's what's your take on discipleship now? What is God I think, doing? With I that? think I think it's more important than ever, or I should say, it's just as important as ever, and it's. One of the main things as Western church, and I speak for Europe as well as America, um, that we've gotten away from. We have truly become more about meetings, about events, and um, not about gut level, gut level. Okay, there they go. Okay, that was exciting, folks. Welcome to the hood. When you're in the hood and you're doing a podcast in a storefront church in the hood, you are going to hear (laughs) sirens. So thanks for joining our reality. It's a boring day. That was the only one all day. I don't know what's going on here. 
See, uh, your ministry's having a, a terrible effect here on crime. It's it's, <laughs> it's gone down. Not yet. Hopefully. <laughs> but but I thought we were just supposed to do bigger meetings with better screens and bigger lights, and thought that would be really how it would, you know. We measure success. There's right? a that's how we measure success. And there's a place for that. I'm not saying that's bad. No. But it's like have that, but don't. Lose. lose the basics it's yeah. like we, it's like any great athlete when they get a little off they've got a good coach you got to get back to the basics you know if it's baseball or football or whatever you have to get back to the basics what are the basics the basics are what discipleship relationships you know i do a lot of uh, pastoral counseling the greatest complaint i hear all the time and i am not exaggerating when i say hundreds is is that people don't feel they fit in People are lonely. People are longing their relationships. Many churches, especially that are uh, event-driven, have revolving back doors. Because the old adage was people will come to church for many reasons, but they stay for only one. Yeah. And that's relationships, period. Yeah. And, but again, God is relational. He's not a CEO of a company. He is our Father. You know, Jesus took 12 you know, rough around the edges, guys, and and transform them. And you know, that's another thing, Adam, that really concerns me because church. What happens in 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 in, in church is we get principles, we get concepts, and then and then we we hammer these away, and, and they become platitudes, concepts. And what happens is somebody comes into a church, and you know, we all want to fit in. And what I see happening a lot is is people uh, get conformed to the image of how this is how. These are the club rules. So this I have to look in this club. This is what you have to say. But, you know, what God wants is transformation. He, he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Transformation is different than us, you know, um, looking like we're, we're fitting in. Yeah. So, you know. Transformation is not a better you. That's humanism. No. What? Right. Transformation is not the, a better you. It's a crucified you and a risen Jesus living through you. That's right. That's which right. is different than... But instead of behavior modification, yeah. is the word I was looking for. Yeah. What we look for, oh, well, he's doing great. And we're basing that on behavior modification. So now he's got a suit and tie on, you know, now he's tithing and, or whatever he's doing. But inside he's, he's full of hurt or anger or, or whatever yeah. is driving him. And that's not being healed. It's not being healed because we've lost... I'm generally speaking, obviously, sure. it's not the way, same place everywhere, but, but who has got their arm around them? Who's saying, hey, hey, mate, you're not being yourself today. What's going on? Or do we know how to deal with anger yeah. issues? Do we know how to bring healing, not just physical healing, but, but we all need healing of our souls, sure. and only Jesus can do that. Sure. We need deliverance. We need yeah. healing, and that's where discipleship comes in. It's, it's like... It's like you said before. It's not sexy, yeah. it, you know. It's not. It's not flashy. You can't throw no. that in your newsletter. Hey, we're discipled. Yeah. We've been discipling five people yeah. for the last three years. And yeah. hey, Joe. Joe's not angry anymore. Yeah. Well, that'll get you a lot of donations. But you know. <laughs> but but isn't that what we long for? Is is that we get free from the stuff that held us back, and we're transformed in the image of Christ through His healing power, and that happens through relationships. So yeah. it's not flashy. You, you, you can't. It's put it slow. In, it's slow. It's messy. People get mad. People walk away. It's tiring. Yeah. You pour into people who leave. It's I mean, heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking at times, and other times, and that's a good thing to realize that we don't work for a church or a logo or an emblem right. or a website. We we work for the kingdom, 
and sometimes you sow into people and, and other people reap that That's harvest right. in another vineyard. Okay. But it's, we're all it's working all for in the him. same. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, I, as I heard you and as you're speaking about discipleship, one of the things that I'm, I'm reminded of is that within every human being, there's a deep desire for two things, security and significance. And so with that, what's fascinating <coughs> is that the gospel and a true community of faith, a true community of Christ followers really provides both the security and the significance that everyone is really longing for. So Jesus, you know, he said to disciple the nations, but he also put the desire of the nations inside of us. And so um, people are hungry for an authentic community of people who tell the truth, who love the truth, but who love them and who have their best interests at heart, people who are willing to stick with them through the ups and downs of their life, people, you know, a shoulder they can cry on and someone that can come and, you know, lift them up when they're down. And so I, I think that within discipleship and within the community of faith, we've got to learn to take our eyes off of ourselves and learn to see other people. And I think that there's a story in the gospel that illustrates that. There was a woman, she had a spirit of infirmity for 38 years. She was bent over. And all she could see was herself. And so when you're sick, all you can see is yourself. But as you start to get healthy and your head is lifted, God says, you know, Psalm says that he's a, Jesus is a lifter of your head. When your head is lifted, you get your eyes off of your circumstances, off of your pain, off of your lack, off of whatever is going on. And then you get your eyes on Jesus and other people. And that's when things begin to change. And so... Um, and she had an encounter with Jesus. She did. And see... That's different than a lot of religion. She had an encounter, and that's what enabled her to be healed, stand up straight, yeah. or to follow her allegory, to get her eyes off her navel. Yeah. She had an encounter. People need a, a, an encounter. A legitimate encounter. Uh, you used to, a word before, I forgot what it was. But authentic. Authentic encounter. And uh, to use another allegory, when, uh, how about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Okay, he comes out, he came out with his grave clothes on, and Jesus said, unwrap him. But who did the unwrapping? The guys. Yeah, so... Not Jesus. Not Jesus. We get saved. You know, we're, we're, we're alive. Yeah. We are our grave clothes, so we need to help, we need to unwrap, help each other unwrap the grave clothes. Our grave clothes are our old mindsets, our old mentality, areas where we don't have the mind of Christ yet. Yeah. And that's where mentoring, discipleship relationships come in but it it can't be like this it can't be a regimented religious thing it's got to be uh organic it has to be natural like jesus and me affecting you that's yeah. a lot different than okay here's my here's my chart we're gonna follow step 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 yeah. step obviously sometimes you do that because you have to learn the word yeah you have to learn things sure but it's it's relational sure so yeah i it that's has to be real. It has to be genuine. It has to be... Yeah. Um, you know, that that's what uh, really helped our, our bar ministry in Austria explode. I had a lot of kids that came and worked with me from America. And what blew these kids away... That Now, Austria, you know, a very religious nation, state religion. Some of your tax dollars goes to the to the church. You know, it's... it's so you've got wow. kind of the state and church running. And these kids have had religion jammed down their throats their whole lives. So they... 
they have been fed up and they rebel against it. So anything with the word Christian or Christ, they say, ah. I've had kids tell me, well, I hate God. And I said, you don't hate God. You just hate how he's presented to you. And they see us in the bars and we're laughing and we're happy. And we're not drunk. They're like, what is different about you guys? And they've never seen people like us before. And, and, and we, we, we develop relationships hmm. and that's what everybody needs. And through our relationship, they see Jesus. I don't always have to preach at them. Yeah. My, my life is my message. Yeah. And they always are, because look, it's impossible, Adam, for you to walk into, and not just you, but anybody you know that, that loves the Lord. It's impossible for us to walk somewhere and, touch, and talk to somebody or touch somebody without Jesus touching them, because he lives in me. People are going to be touched by Jesus in me. So a lot of times we feel, oh, I got to hand him a track. I, no, we just have to engage. Yeah. So be ourselves with um, with everything that you see and everything that's going on. Um, what are you hopeful about? I am so hopeful and excited right now. I've, I, I the gospel is spreading. I was just with a hero of the faith last week. Uh, this amazing pastor from Iraq. His name's Ghassan, and he had to flee. Uh, after 12 years of try, people trying to assassinate him and his wife. And, and um, he said, you know, everybody says, well, the church is gone in Iraq. He goes, that's not true. They burned all the churches and killed thousands of Christians. He goes, they're coming to Christ every day. More and more people, they're having dreams about Jesus. They're hungry. And, and, and every, it's like the people are coming to Christ all over. People are hungry. They're tired of dead religion. I'm really encouraged by that. I think... This is one of the greatest opportunities the church has ever, ever had to share the gospel. Uh, you know, in our, my friends who, who still live in Europe, I, um, uh, they're, they're having this tremendous uh, outreach to the, uh, um, the refugees. And, you know, awesome. sure, I'm sure there's ISIS agents in there, and I'm sure the, when they were all sent to Europe by Saudi Arabia and other, or Syria and other, other countries. Well, Saudi Arabia didn't help, so they pushed everybody to Europe. The, maybe the enemy had a plan to spread Islam and build mosques, but God had a bigger plan, and they are getting saved by the thousands right yep. now. It's awesome. You know, so that's exciting. I, I like that you're saying that. I, I think it's wonderful that they're reaching out uh, you know, to, the, to the refugees. But one of the things people have got to understand, this is today, this is being recorded uh, March 22nd. 2016 there was a terrorist attack today in brussels and uh we just pray in jesus name that god would comfort those who uh, may have lost loved ones and friends and in that but we have to remember that terrorism is a reaction to a um it, it is a worldview and it is a reaction and it it it, we have to realize that it's actually fear on the side of the terrorists that actually causes them to do what they do. It's, it's fear of um, – think about why is the Bible illegal in so many places. If it was just some irrelevant, dead, worthless book, it wouldn't be illegal. And um, as you look at groups like ISIS and, and, and these other organizations – History has a, has a wonderful way of putting these people out. Think of Nazi Germany. Think of the power, the influence, the money, the strategic you know, thing that they had going. And now they're over and the gospel continues to shine. 
Think about Rome, Greece, Persia, Babylon, every empire that really stood against the church crumbled to nothing, just like Daniel saw in his vision. So I'm hopeful, actually, that we'll see a tremendous amount of gospel influence upon society. Not just people coming into church, which I, I want that, but but I'm saying something deeper and and more uh, more powerful as it relates to the gospel touching and finding roots in society and what the expressions of that will be. So I'm I'm, I'm hopeful about that. Um, and, and, and another thing too, a lot of Americans are afraid right now because of what we've seen happen over these last eight years or so. But I I am not afraid. I'm encouraged. You know, no matter what happens, A, God has us. And B, the harder things get, the more the, God, the kingdom's going to expand. So we have nothing to fear. Yeah. We really don't. I, uh, I agree. I'm not saying it's going to be fun. Yeah. But yeah. the kingdom will expand, and, and he's got us covered. Yeah, the, the kingdom is here to stay. His, history shows us that. Yeah. So history is on our side. Um, but, but anyway, let, let me just jump in, and, and then we'll wrap this up with... What are you concerned about? Like, as you look at the church and the nations, uh, you just verbalized, you know, in a clear way, what are you encouraged about? You're, you're seeing the gospel thrive in the midst of persecution. Uh, you're seeing a true witness come to people who've only had religion. But now, what would you say, as someone who lived through an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is historic, as someone who's been in the nations, who's someone who's pastored, uh, in, a, in a charismatic hotspot, you know, Life Center. What, as you look at the church in the nations, in America, in the West, and in other parts of the world that you've ministered in, what are you concerned about? I'm concerned about the lack of community, the lack of relationships, and the lack of mentoring and discipleship. That's Get back the, 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 basics the basics that we've gotten away from. That, that's very clear. Um, I, I want to add something to that. I, I see something that's very fascinating is with the lack of community, there is a rise in counseling. Mm, interesting. And so what I would say is that I believe in counseling. Um, I think it's fine. God believes in it so much that we have a counselor, the Holy Spirit living in us. But, but... I believe many of the issues that we have to go deep with counselors one-on-one with, not all, but many of those issues would be worked out within an actual community of faith where iron is sharpening iron and where older believers are more consistently relating to younger believers, where there's fathering, mentoring, love, accountability, uh, where there is a true community that is for the gospel and bringing the gospel to the society in a unified, intentional manner. And so the community is centered upon Christ, but also his work of redemption through the gospel within the community of faith, right? So within that community, I believe there would be a, a, a less, uh, less of a need for counseling with more community. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, if you have community, you don't need counseling. Um, that's not true. But I'm saying I think that well, there's a lot a... of basic needs would be met in community. Yeah. You know, being loved. You talked before about two words, security and um, significance. Significance. 
you derive that from relationships. Yeah. And a lot of people have never been unconditionally loved, accepted, and valued. So those are huge. Agreed. And, and so the love that you don't get from community and the support that you don't get from community, you go and you self-medicate it somewhere else, and six yeah. months from there, you'll need counseling. And when I say community, I don't mean <laughs> church meetings because, let's face it, um, if we're going to be honest, more people have been devastated and hurt in church than anywhere else Yeah, because they've been affected by religion and how religion distorts people to not be themselves and not even know how to act naturally and love people. We have, we have cut people off because they've done something wrong. We've said horrible things. All this is in the name of religion, but that's not how Jesus ever operated. So, so that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. We'll have, you'll have to have me so, back and talk about that. End us with what you, what, what, what is, what, how should we respond to this whole thing of, uh, discipling, mentoring, relating to those um, who are older than us or even some who are younger in the faith than us? How, how does that, what would you say to that, speak to that? <laughs> that's a huge... A huge thing, right? That's a huge thing. I, I wouldn't even know. I mean, I, I, one-on-one with a pastor, I, I know it sure. to, to a, a vast audience. Yeah. I, I would just say I, I hope that everybody longs for relationships, and if you're not in relationship... Figure out why and f- find out where. Sure. You know why and where is good. And, and you know, I think I, I'd say this in, in a simple way: if you need a mentor, if you need to be discipled, if you want a greater understanding in the Word, um, just ask. You know, just be honest about your expectations and ask someone that you deem trustworthy, and say, "Hey, I, I need help to grow. You know, would you help me?" I think that you know the scripture is clear: you have not because you ask not. And I think that most people who are sincere in faith, if they were asked, hey, can, can you help me? I think most people either would try to help or would try to find maybe. someone help. Yeah, you maybe. Know? I, I don't know. So it's, let's, you guys can start by asking. If help is something that you're, you're needing, go ahead and, and ask someone. Well, I, I think the best thing people, Christians, can do is, is get together outside of church and eat together and have fun together. Just hang out, because if you do that regularly, a lot of stuff starts to happen. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of stuff comes up over dinner, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the meal, but that's another story. <laughs> Steve, thanks for being with us. <laughs> thanks I, for having me. Great to be with you. We appreciate you. you. Um, we appreciate those who are listening. Hope this has added to you guys. Feel free to share this on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you share it on social media. Maybe your email list. And I'd appreciate if you can rate and review this this podcast on iTunes. And uh, thanks for your time.